The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Serving spiritual seekers around the world. Unity Online Radio. Welcome to Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet, with Rev. Anna Schaus, Ph.D. from Soul Matters Ministry in Olympia, Washington. If you'd like to join in the discussion, email us at spiritofrecovery at unity.fm or call into the program with your questions. Now, here's your host, Rev. Anna Schaus. Welcome to the Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet, where we support your spiritual growth in recovery. My name is Anna Schaus, and I'm your host. And uh, today our topic is Love Opens the Door to Life. And my guest is Joe S., who's a Unity Minister and a long-time recovering person. He's going to be sharing with us today how love opened the door to recovery for him and how love has been an important part of his recovery process. He uh, uses that love of recovery in his ministry, and it's also enriched his personal life. So he's going to be talking with us about the idea of love and why it matters so much in recovery. Welcome to all of you who are listening today. We're so glad that you're joining us. Thank you for uh, sending your emails and for making comments uh, to us on Facebook. And thank you for participating. We know that you're letting folks know out there in your communities about the Spirit of Recovery program and spreading the word. And uh, we're so happy about that. It's great to be broadcasting about recovery on Unity Online Radio, and uh, it's just a wonderful opportunity and something that uh, is my passion, and, and I'm just grateful to be able to do this. So thanks for listening and joining us this week. I know we have people joining us across the U.S., uh, in Canada. Sometimes we have folks joining us from New Zealand and from Ireland, and we're so glad that you are listening and maybe in other places that we're not aware of. Every week here on Spirit of Recovery, we talk about topics that are important to the recovery community, and we always have guests that are down-to-earth, knowledgeable, and innovative. Our guests are always people that are either in recovery themselves, people that work with recovering people or write for recovering people or have spiritual insights that enhance recovery, and a lot of times our guests are all of the above. They bring us practical information that you can use, and they get you thinking about topics that enhance your recovery. Here at the Spirit of Recovery, we are a welcoming place. Recovery is a large tent, and there's lots of rooms. So if you're a person that's in recovery from any kind of addiction, if you're a family member in your own recovery as a family member, or you're a family member or friend of somebody with the disease of addiction, um, whether or not they're in recovery and you're just looking for information, or if you're simply somebody who is curious and wants to learn more about the process of recovery, we sure welcome you and welcome your participation in our discussions. And again, my name is Anna Schaus, and I'm your Spirit of Recovery host. I'm a Unity Minister and a trained addictions counselor. Also, I'm a person who has, in my circle of love and friendship, many people with the disease of addiction. And almost 30 years ago, those relationships got me started on an active path of personal growth and working a program of recovery as a family member. And ever since then, my spiritual walk has been an integration of unity and recovery principles, and it's rich and keeps transforming my life. So thank you for tuning in. Thanks for listening so that I have the opportunity to bring these great guests to you and to share these ideas with you. On every show, we have a drawing, and we give away a recovery book, and these are donated to us by the nonprofit Hazelden Foundation at www 
H-A-Z-E-L-D-E-N.org. And today's book is Walking in Dry Places by Mel B. It's a meditation book. So today you can phone us at 888-558-6489 or you can email us at spiritofrecovery at unity.fm during the show and we will put your name in the drawing today for that book for Walking in Dry Places. And then in the second uh, and third segments, we'll be happy to take your comments and questions today and uh, we'll keep giving that number out. It's also on your screen there on your computer and we hope that you will join in and participate in the conversation with a comment or question. Today we are talking about Love Opens the Door to Life. Joining me is my guest, Joe S., who is a Unity minister, who's got long-term recovery, and who finds that love was important for getting him into recovery, and love has richly blessed him as he has remained in recovery and has really transformed his life and enriched everything that's happening to him. So, Joe, welcome to the show today. Yes, and I'm glad to be here. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us, and I know you're going to have a lot to uh, share with us about how love works in recovery. You got into recovery because of love. Love was like a door that you walked through. What happened to you? How did you get in recovery? Well, um, I might uh, just give a little rundown of how that uh, how I arrived at that first meeting. Um, I had known that I had a, uh, a uh, drinking problem. Um, even though the fact I, I'd like to, I always considered myself uh, a professional drinker. I don't know if you heard anybody ever say that, but you know when you um, when you go to college, as I did at uh, St. Joseph's in Philadelphia, you um, they in the business department they tell you, well, there's, you've got to do these things. You have to be able to play golf. You have to know two good card games, and you need to know how to drink. And uh, I really took that to heart. So, uh, even though I was there on an athletic uh, scholarship for distance running, I uh, managed to find times to drink. I did have one occasion where I uh, didn't drink for a while, though, uh, and this is, I think, significant, um, that uh, my brother, John, who, uh, incidentally, a younger brother who's now got more than 35 years of recovery, when I was I was working up on the St. Lawrence River Seaway in uh, northern New York, and it was one summer before going back to my senior year of college, and I got word that my brother had uh, just he was down at the Jersey Shore and he walked in out of the water, collapsed, and he was in a coma. Uh, they didn't know what was going to happen with him, and I remember promising God that if uh, my brother would recover, I'd give up drinking. So he did, in fact, recover. He lost the sight of an eye, but he did recover. And so I didn't drink for a long period of time. And I remember being in New York City running in a cross-country race, and um, after the race, we all went over to a bar after, and I'm sitting there having a Coke. Everybody else is drinking. And I was sitting next to this uh, lady who was a... Uh, product of a, a very expensive Catholic education, so to, to me she was an authority. And she said to me, uh, you know, when you make a promise under duress, it doesn't really count. And immediately I called for the waiter, and I started drinking again. But it's always struck me in years later that uh, drinking was that important that I was willing to trade it for my brother's life. So I knew I had a drinking problem and then, of course, went into the Air Force and uh, back when I was in the Air Force, uh, back in the, the 60s, you were expected to go to the officer's club after uh, work every day. You were expected to participate in the club, support your club, and, of course, that meant drinking. Uh, but I had responsible jobs like I was a general's aide two different generals. So I could never really, um, I couldn't be drunk. And I couldn't, I had to, uh, I had to be a professional drinker. And I continued that uh, throughout my Air Force career. And uh, 
Then when I got out of the uh, Air Force, I managed a, uh, a sports club for a while that had a bar. And uh, then I managed a country club for about four and a half years, and that had obviously a bar, and it was golf and drinking. And after that, a homeowners association, and that had two bars. But the interesting thing to me is during all that time, no one ever suggested that I had too much to drink, with the exception of uh, two ex-wives. They both thought I had too much to drink. So it finally came as I was departing from my uh, my second wife, going into my, uh, I knew that I had a problem that I had to take care of some way. And I had had a, a day of drinking. I uh, had gone to a funeral for a, uh, a young man uh, who had taken his own life. Uh, so that was an excuse to get ready for and drink. Then I was meeting with my departing wife who... Uh, we had to sign over houses. There were two houses involved. And then I um, um, had some time after that and went to a bar again and uh, then to our bar house and ended up a shouting while with my wife. And, and there's always I always find humor in everything. But on the way home from that or this, to the way this place that I was um, house-sitting, a place I... I uh, at this point, was two hours late for a rehearsal. I was in Unity at the time, and I was a soloist, and so I was to sing that Sunday, and I had a rehearsal. I'm two hours late from it. I can barely uh, talk, let alone sing. And so I just had to excuse myself. But on the way home, and this is uh, what I describe as the only real ex- uh, exciting spiritual experience I ever had, on the way home, it came to me, either a voice or a knowing, that said, um, if you don't do something about this right now, you're on your own. And boy, that that got to me. So I went to this place where I was staying. Before I went to bed, looked up at something in the book that said something about alcohol. The next morning at about 7.30, I called this place, and of course it didn't open until 9, but lo and behold, there was somebody there at 7.30, made an appointment for 10 o'clock to go see them, and I went to my first meeting that night. Met at the door by a well-dressed, nice-looking man, took me into the room. Fortunately, I think it was a a men's group, and uh, here were these bunch of guys looking good and uh, laughing and joking and it didn't take me too long to figure out that that's where I belong and they were so welcoming to me uh, after the meeting came to me uh, uh, what can I do to help you and uh, one of them who happened to have been an Air Force uh, Lieutenant Colonel uh, ultimately became my sponsor and that uh, that love I felt that that first night is uh, what turned it for me. Years later, when I got gone away to ministerial school, I came back and uh, uh, I went to that same meeting. I waited a couple of years and I, I might see somebody that I know. And I went there and uh, man, if I'd have walked in there that first night, I think I'd have turned around and ran. But I think God. And opening yourself up to love and the possibilities brings you to the right place at the right time. And that was it for me. That's an amazing story. It One thing that I hear is how addiction really took away the richness of your life. Although when, you, when the disease of alcoholism was active in your life, you, you were having success in your career, but the doors to closeness in your family and to harmony in your family life, those doors were slamming, it sounds like. Yeah, that's exactly right. I I spoke last Sunday talking about uh, uh, Jacob in the, in the Bible and uh, Jacob's story, and it, it kind of matched my own. And for all the things he did, the mistakes he made and everything else, well, it says, it doesn't say in the Bible, I think it's Emmett Fox that says it. He says, uh, for all of that, um, 
Jacob was uneasy in error. And I think that described my life during all that period of time. I, I did these things, but I was uneasy in error. So there was something in you that knew something that was uneasy, something that was was experiencing that love wasn't expressing in your life very fully. But somehow the love opened up. It, it sounds like you know the story you told about your brother getting sober and you making that promise to yourself or to God but not being able to keep it. That's yeah. the disease of alcoholism that takes takes over your good intentions. But uh, somehow you did. What, how do you think, uh, how did it come about that you finally heard that voice um, that said you better do something or, or else? Well, I'd like to think, you know, because I come into uh, the good, good thing about unity. You know, I didn't, I'd like to say that, you know, I went to unity and sobered up. Um, that'd be good advertisement, but it didn't happen that way. I was still drinking while I was in unity. The good thing was, for me, was that, uh, it opened up all the possibilities, and which can only be really described as love. The the principles that we teach, the foundation uh, that I learned in unity, were were there, uh, just waiting to come into to being when I needed them. And and of course, it was AA and that first meeting that really changed it for me. And I, I just. I was able to give myself over to it completely. Uh, there was never any doubt. I, one of the fortunate ones that never was, um, um, I think I, I remember in my whole, uh, tw- now almost 23 years, that there was only tempted once, and that was for about five minutes, maybe less, maybe two minutes. Mm-hmm. I had a angry day when I was moving out of uh, a house, and um, I was in the process of divorce and uh, it was hot and I was tired and I was angry and um, it had only been a few weeks that I was in AA and I stopped in this deli to get sandwiches for uh, the people that were helping me with the move and I walk in the door of the deli and of course you meet that um, the the scenario you see all the time a whole wall of beer and I thought to myself, you know, who gives a damn if I have a drink? Uh, why not? But it came, fortunately, it came back to me real quick. He said, you care. You care. And um, that's the same thing I think that happened to me that night as I was driving home, that voice. You know, it would be nice to think God spoke to me. But I think it was the Spirit of God in me that spoke to me. You know, mm-hmm. you can't keep doing this, or I'm mm-hmm. going to give up on you. Mm-hmm. I might give up on myself. When you were in a Unity Church for those years, and the disease of alcoholism was still active in you, what were some particular things that, even though the disease was active and doing its things, what were some of the ideas or the energy or anything that happened that did touch you during that time that you think did open you up to love and to the possibility of recovery? Well, I'd been taking a lot of a lot of classes, doing a lot of reading. Um, uh, I knew some people who were uh, who were uh, alcoholic. Fortunately, they were honest enough to uh, uh, to speak about their recovery. Uh, it didn't. It stuck in the back of my head. It didn't. Uh, didn't resonate with me that I was an alcoholic. In fact, I'm I'm absolutely sure that it wasn't until I actually got in, inside the door of that first meeting that it ever came to my um, my mind that I was an alcoholic. Uh, yeah, I had a drinking problem, and I, and I probably ought to quit. But that's different than you know. I have another. I have one brother that's got more than thirty five years. Right. And I've got another brother who's uh, who just quit. <laughs> he's never gone to an AA meeting, and uh, he just decided not going to drink again. Okay, but Joe, thanks alcohol. so much. for. Uh, we're going to take a short break, and yeah. we're going to hear some more when we come back about okay. um, unity and how it's 
how it kind of sets you up to get into AA. And so right when we come back in our second segment, we will start with the Serenity Minute, which is a brief moment to focus on a constructive thought. And also we want to hear from you, our listeners, at 888-55-UNITY, or you can email us. So uh, we'll be right back. If Unity Online Radio has helped you grow spiritually through programs like this one, please consider supporting this online radio programming. Visit www.unity.fm and click on Donate Now. Thank you for helping us continue to serve as the voice of an awakening world. at Unity Village is more than just a good job. It's good work. We're a not-for-profit organization that helps people around the globe live more abundant and meaningful lives. Our work environment is unique in keeping with the heritage of Charles and Myrtle Fillmore, visionary founders of the Unity Movement. At the same time, Unity is a 21st century workplace. Job seekers will find plenty of challenges in a wide range of specialties, from information technology to culinary arts communications to publishing, prayer ministry to retreats, and more. Employees are eligible for a variety of perks and benefits, including a campus setting with year-round activities and a four-day work week in many departments. To see what employment opportunities await you, visit us at unityjobs.org and apply today. What would a human life based on the principles of evolutionary spirituality look like? Reverend Kelly Isola wants to talk with people of every faith and outlook about passionately participating in the next great epic in the emergence of consciousness and culture. If the choice is ours to consciously evolve, then what can life look like at this pivotal time in human history? Join us each Wednesday at 11 a.m. Central Time for Spiraling Consciousness with host Reverend Kelly Isola right here on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. You're listening to Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet with Rev. Anna Schaus, Ph.D. If you'd like to share your questions, comments, and experience with today's topics, call us now or email us at spiritofrecovery at unity.fm. We now return to Spirit of Recovery. Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. We're glad you're with us today. And if you're just joining us, our topic is Love Opens the Door to Life. And my guest is Joe S., who's a Unity minister and a recovering person. And he's telling us about how love got him into recovery and about how love has continued to enrich his life in recovery and how it touches him, his family life, and his ministry. But before Joe and I continue our conversation, please join me as we take a moment to center ourselves in peace of mind in the Serenity Minute. This is a moment simply to relax and focus on a constructive thought and to let ourselves be refreshed by the spirit within. So I invite you to relax, close your eyes if you want to, and take a moment as you breathe to focus on this constructive idea. I let God's love fill my heart. I let God's love fill my heart. And so it is. Thank you, friend. Thanks for joining in the Serenity Minute. So now we're back with my guest, Joe S., talking about Love Opens the Door to Life. And this is a great time to give us a call or send us an email. Uh, our call, Your call will be answered. That phone number is 888-55-UNITY. 
or you can email us at spiritofrecovery at unity.fm and we will get the email um, right when you send it. So send it through and give us a comment or a question for my guest Joe S. Um, Also, we'll put your name in for the drawing for the book and the book today is Walk in Dry Places by Mel B. It's a great recovery meditation book and thank you to Hazelden Foundation for donating that book to us. So, Joe, before our break, we were talking about uh, the fact that you had been involved with Unity and had been a regular attender and a participant in a Unity ministry while the disease of alcoholism was still active in your life, but you definitely felt that Unity, even though it wasn't getting you sober, it was a part of what got you ready to walk through the door of Alcoholics Anonymous and and uh, open that door to love, and you found love there. Is there anything that stands out for you, particularly um, in your Unity experience, that you think uh, did support your spirituality and supported love in your life? Well, I can't think of anything in particular. It's just the whole program matches up so closely. And, of course, in Unity, we have a lot of uh, support 12-step programs. And, um, in fact, I I think that I coined this phrase. I don't don't know that anybody else has said it before. And I said it to a general uh, uh, assembly of uh, Unity folks one time down in uh, our conference in uh, Selamar. And uh, Dorothy Pearson later uh, chastised me uh, gently for uh, making the statement. <laughs> and Dorothy Pearson is a unity minister, uh, for a long-term unity minister. Yeah, she's kind of like um, Mrs. Unity at this point, who just celebrated her 95th birthday. Happy oh. birthday to Dorothy. Yeah. And she's been a, a mentor uh, and was a mentor when I started this, pioneered the ministry I'm in now. But... Um, the phrase I coined was that if it wasn't for the Catholic Church in AA, there wouldn't be a unity. There's so many people that we know who have come to the program, um, come to unity from that program, or gone to the program. My own brother that I spoke of before um, grew up like I did as a Catholic, and um, he... Uh, heavy into AA, and lo and behold, he, not through me or anything to do with me, stumbled into unity and uh, and is still very much a part of it. So that the two things, you know, the, this whole thing about that we teach in unity about uh, the Spirit of God being within us uh, keeps us from that, you know, the, the tendency before is you got to petition God to get to help you. So if you want to quit drinking, you ask God to help you. And and it's easy to ignore a God out there. Uh, Very easy. And we get real good at it. But if you come into that concept that God isn't out there, but God is inside of you and with you and with you at all times, um, it's a... Somewhat, I say, a little bit embarrassing to think of some of the places you've taken God to, but... um, but the point is that you can you can do the work yourself from within. Yeah, you you need some help. You need some nudges, and that's what AA is about. Yeah. So, so even when the disease is active, you're not really alone. You may feel alone, and and the disease may be doing a lot of havoc in your life. But but God's never really left you. No. No, never. And. When you come to into full realization, realization of that, I say full realization, it's a process of continuing to come into a greater realization of the presence of God. You know, would that we would um, get up in the morning and say hi to the Spirit of God within us and walk the whole day that way. Sometimes we get distracted. And... Um, that's the thing about unity, and that's the thing about AA. You get people around you to to nudge you back onto the right path when you get get off. That's that love factor, that connection, that power of love. It is, yeah. And I've found that time and time again. Uh, I guess I don't go to a, as much. I don't go to a lot of meetings anymore, frankly. My spiritual life with the church has just seemed to be all-encompassing. 
there's the church, and then there's my wife and family and beyond that, but mainly. So spirituality is with me at all times. But I get onto a bum track from time to time. And uh, my wife, who is uh, not a recovering alcoholic, but uh, who's had a lot of experience in that area, is a, a good one to to nudge me back, even though I don't appreciate it all the time. Uh, What's one of her favorite ways to nudge you back? Uh, she tells me the truth, <clears throat> which is something you don't always like to hear. You know, I've always loved that expression from AA about uh, having somebody pull your sheets, uh, pull your sheets, and there you stand naked and and facing the truth, and you don't always like it, but uh, uh, but that's what you you need to do. So love isn't always sweet, sweet, sweet. No. Yeah, even my wife, who um, you happen to know, is just uh, uh, people so admire her and everything. But even she, every now and then, not very often, but every now and then, she'll get off on a bum track and. And she knows it, and um, she needs a little help getting back. And loves the thing to do it. Do it most of all, you know. If you you can't criticize people, that's a, we find that in AA. We find it in everything that we do. Criticism doesn't do any good. You just love them, and you listen to them, and. And eventually they start listening to themselves and they they hear the Spirit of God inside themselves. I know you do a lot of service work uh, through your ministry and also you at some point did service work in Folsom Prison where you helped uh, people get into recovery. Tell us about that. How do you well, do service? A, a great opportunity to do, uh, arranged by... Uh, one of the people in the group that I was part of in uh, Roseville. And uh, I probably, I think only about three times, I probably went there about five or more times, but uh, sometimes if you get there and there'd be a, a lockdown and you couldn't get in. Uh, and they often, uh, they'd send me with another guy, you know, they often referred to me as the, the country club drunk. Uh, and this guy, <laughs> This other guy had grown up uh, in a, for part of his life living in a house of prostitution run by his mother. So he had come from a different spot, but here was the two of us, uh, almost uh, either ends of the spectrum, were able to uh, go in and talk to these guys and listen to them. And uh, their, uh, their rate of people... Uh, coming back into prison was so much um, uh, better having gone through that AA program and so powerful to um, to be with people who had done in some cases pretty horrible things and had come to realize what it was that caused them to do that or allowed them to do that and now seeing a possibility of of uh, making something out of our life that there, this wasn't the end of things. So I learned a lot myself, personally. What did you learn? I learned that you can, you you always can be forgiven. That there's never an end. Uh, we like to say in unity that uh, there isn't a God somewhere keeping score. The only score that counts really is is what you're doing today. And yeah, we do have have to make amends in some cases if we can and should. Uh, we have to uh, face up and and uh, even describe to somebody else the faults we've committed. But then we, I don't know if, if everybody says this, but my sponsor told me you, you do that uh, fifth step one time and don't go back. No. You, after having said that, you move on, and you get to the point where you're able to help other people. It, That's it, really the point of, of, in a sense, of having problems. 
to learn from them and go on to be of service. Yeah. You know, you have also talked about uh, at a meeting one time, at an AA meeting, that there was a situation where the police had showed up. Oh, yeah. That, uh, it was, I don't, uh, yeah, I'll just describe it. It's, it was going to, it was the second meeting that we had done that night. I was, when I got in, I, man, I believed everything they said, and they were right. And I did my 90 meetings in 90 days. Sometimes I'd have to jumble up, although I wasn't at first all that keen about going to two meetings in the same night, but uh, my sponsor uh, said, well, you see, didn't you ever go to two bars in the same night? Uh, yeah, I guess I did. So we went to a second meeting one night, and there'd been a disruption. A group of guys had come in and tried to break up the meeting, and the police had been called, and, and I... Uh, I'm sitting in that meeting, and I'm thinking to myself, these guys could come back again. They might come back with guns, and uh, I could be killed. But I had developed such a sense of personal responsibility that it didn't matter. It's like mainly I was there to take care of myself. And even if I'd been killed, I'd I'd been okay, too. I was taking care of myself. I wasn't in a position to look out for other people at that point. Uh, I was divorcing. Um, my kids were all up and grown and somewhere else, and it was only me, and that was okay. Mm-hmm. It was actually a good feeling. Yeah, it's like you were at peace and, and putting that yeah. priority of your recovery, and it's like to me, in unity terms, that's divine order. So I'm going to put myself in divine order and trust that I'm taken care of. Yeah. That's just exactly how I felt. It felt good. Um, unity is a, 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 a great blessing to me, and obviously, because and, I've dedicated my whole life to it, and, and I will. Um, someday I'll move out of church ministry, but I'll continue in ministry in some form or another how was how will recovery be part of that ministry that you keep on doing well um it has come to me in a time of meditation that i need to be working with people who are grieving and um i think that's will be certainly will be part of my program i i have some responsibilities in our uh, region out here. I'm a regional representative and I am able to um, work with ministries and and they are grieving. There's uh, working with boards and with um, ministers who are not getting along with boards and, uh, and and again the unity thing comes back in because I know the, the only truth between that minister and the board is that they really love each other because it is the only truth. And so there's, they've put these other things somehow in front of that love that's there by, by our very nature, by our very essence. And so it's trying to gently take these things and remove them or help them to remove them so they can see that they really do love each other and want to work together. What's but something that you do that helps them move that, that other stuff out of the way and helps them find the love? Uh, just that, mainly that process of getting them to uh, listen properly to one another. Um, you know, we we do it, it's kind of a, a technique, but it's really more than a technique of getting two people sitting down together and one expressing uh, you get them to that point where they feel that they open, they can do so. Expressing what their concerns is, what their grievance is. And then for the other person to respond to that by, not by defending themselves, but by uh, acknowledging that they have heard what it is the person has said. Because unfortunately we've been trained to defend ourselves, and which is not love. And so if you're, someone is talking to you and you're building up your defense, uh, 
while they're talking to you, then you're not hearing them. And everybody needs to be heard. And you don't have to agree with everyone. Um, perceptions have, have a great deal of validity to them. They don't have to be right, but they are somebody's perception. But if you can constantly keep in mind that thing that these two people really love each other, and that's the only truth between them, um, and are patient with it, they'll eventually get there. That's powerful. It is. Uh, and it's wonderful work, I mean, when it happens. And some sometimes people just have to come to a realization that they're just, at that point, not able to work together. But if they can do that, even that in love, say, I'm, you know, I love you, but I, I just, I'm not able to work together with you. And so they part company, which maybe needs to happen at that time. Joe, thanks so much. This is great stuff. You're really giving us new ideas about what love is and helping us understand it. So we're going to take a break right now. And this is a good time for you as a listener to give us a call at 888-55-UNITY with your comments or questions or send us an email at spiritofrecovery at unity.fm. We'll be right back. Stay with us. Hi, my name is Lynn Twist. I'm the author of The Soul of Money. If you're struggling right now with a financial crisis, I recommend going to www.unityfm and listening to our course about the soul of money and how to handle this in a way that brings out the deep spirituality that's available at this time. You know, a crisis is a terrible thing to waste. Join author Lynn Twist for The Blessing of the Financial Crisis. You'll learn new techniques to use the current economic situation to redefine your relationship with money. It's available now for immediate download at unity.fm in the video download section. Is your life on hold? Do you feel stuck? Are you a success story to everybody but yourself? Are you tired of getting ready to get ready? If you answer yes to any of these questions, then tune in every Wednesday to Design Your Life with Reverend Kevin Ross and friends. Get ready to answer your life's highest calling. Reclaim your life with Reverend Kevin and friends and explore distinctions for becoming a person of purpose, power, passion, peace, and prosperity. Call in with your questions and comments for real-time coaching and conversation committed to inspiring and empowering you to design and live the life of your dreams. That's Design Your Life with Reverend Kevin Ross and Friends every Wednesday right here on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. You've been listening to Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet with Reverend Anna Schaus, Ph.D. If you have a question, comment, or experience with today's topic you'd like to share, call us now or email us at spiritofrecovery at unity.fm. We now return to Spirit of Recovery. Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. We're really glad you're with us today. And if you're just joining us, our topic is Love Opens the Door to Life. And my guest is Joe S. He's a unity minister and a recovering person. And he's telling us all about how love opened the door to recovery because addiction shuts the door to life. And uh, recovery and love open that door to a full and rich life. And he's telling us about that, um, how important love is to him and how it got him into recovery and how it has been such an important part of his life in recovery. Joe, you were telling us before the break about communication and about uh, in your work with churches and how 
recovery ideas and the idea of connection and unity ideas, the idea that we are all one and that we are in love is so important. And, and the key to that is to have people really listen to each other. But in the disease of addiction, when, you're, when that disease is active in your life, active in your family, active in your relationships, nobody's listening. The disease kind of takes, takes stuff away, uh, and it can be sneaky. How was it sneaky in your life? Well, I was, um, I think I've explained to you, I've, I've always been a, um, an athlete, a, a distance runner. That's what got me into college and paid my way through college, I did a lot. I was very active in the Air Force. So even though I was drinking, I was still very active in a lot of physical fitness type programs and running. And I eventually got back into shape and ran several marathons and um, a lot of races, road races, and even did uh, finally did the Western States 100 mile. It's 100 mile one day from Squaw Valley on into Auburn, where we happen to live. It's been a race now for over 30 years, I guess, uh, 400 people that do that. But uh, So that kind of hid the fact that uh, I was having uh, severe problems. In fact, I, I even, I'm sure I had about four or five beers along the way. Uh, it was uh, touted at the time by, this, by a doctor, as a matter of fact, it was a runner that... Uh, there's a lot of minerals in beer, and, and uh, alcohol uh, allows it to be more quickly assimilated into the bloodstream. And so um, I did a lot of tomato juice and bananas and those kind of things, but beer too. And I did make it uh, in less than one day, in less than 24 hours. But it, it's, uh, oh, it was only later when I started managing a country club and had less time to run and more time to drink that it started to evidence itself that I had something that I couldn't control but it took a long time before I let go because I started by saying I I was taught how to drink I was taught how to drink just the right amount and not too much but eventually that catches up to you and you get to the point where instead of being uh, Drinking allows you to be more glib and more relaxed. It starts to make you feel like you're stupid. And maybe you were stupid before you got to the point where you thought you were stupid. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why it, it would have been helpful along the way to have had somebody um, say, Hey, jerk, this is not working for you. Uh, and that's what ultimately what AA was able to do for me. And I, I just saw it so clearly when I, I, other than that two or three minute temptation I mentioned, I've never really been tempted to go back because it was so clear, and it matched up so much with my um, unity uh, training that it just um, it made no sense to do otherwise. And that opened the door to, uh, you know, I was going through a divorce. My first wife, or my uh, my last wife, I'll put it that way, uh, had some had considerable experience with uh, alcohol. Her first husband was an alcoholic, died the terrible disease of alcohol. He lived into his sixties, which was a miracle. But um, they had him strapped down at the, at the end. Alcoholism is a terrible, terrible way to die. Um, she had experience with that, and they ultimately divorced. But she used to, uh, on Sunday afternoons, would go to uh, the famous Clancy's house. Clancy, who's a great AA speaker. And uh, she'd go to meetings in Clancy's backyard, even though she was an alcoholic. It, she learned so much about it. And then uh, she was married again, and then her husband was a uh, race boat driver, and that's how he was killed. So we knew each other through church. But by this time, I was into AA probably a year and a half before uh, I had enough courage to 
to ask her out, and she said yes, and 21 days later we decided we were going to get married. We didn't do it right away, but that's when we decided. I couldn't possibly have um, developed a relationship with that beautiful lady if I'd still been a drinker. Couldn't happen. And it wasn't just that the stigmatism of drinking that would have prevented she knew what what drinking does to somebody. So I'm sure she had been very polite to me, but we would not have got together. And it's been a beautiful relationship now for more than 21 years. So recovery made it possible and unity made it possible for you to have the, the fulfillment of a real healthy marriage and the joys of that. Yes. impossible otherwise. No, no question. So in your work with the church, you still you actually help people as a minister uh, in many ways, but one way you help them is family members or people that are and themselves have the disease of addiction. How do you help yeah. them? Well, one of the things that I do, and I, I don't make uh, too much of this, but uh, every now and then I will uh, work into my Sunday talk uh, the fact that I am a recovering alcoholic. Um, this last Sunday, it worked into my talk quite easily because I was describing how my own situation, how things had worked out for me, but that it, an end to alcohol was part of the, the thing. So I've done that over the years I've in two churches that I've been in, and uh, so every now and then somebody will come to you and say, uh, you know, I've had a problem with drinking or I'm having a problem with drinking. And often a, a parent will come to me and say that they've got a, um, a son or a daughter who's got a problem. So I'm able to, uh, to help them in a lot of cases. Um, I, about, I guess the only time I have time to do to a meeting anymore is when I take somebody else to a meeting and I'll do that, and I'll do it as long as it takes to get that person firmly involved. And uh, I, uh, I've seen a lot of successes. I haven't. Uh, my brother uh, claims now to have had more than uh, two hundred, what he refers to as babies, uh, and he's seen a lot, a lot of success. But then uh, he was describing to me just this morning that he. Has also seen a lot of people die, people that he's worked with. That's very hard. Mm-hmm. So that the fact that that word love, if you can come into contact with a love of yourself, and it's that expression in AA, you know, when somebody comes in on not loving themselves at all, that they tell them, well, you know, we'll love you till you get to the point where you can love yourself. If you can teach people about love. Um, their chance of recovery, I think, is so much better. It matters, too, that you, as you've already told us, to demonstrate that love by caring about people. You know, there's still often, unfortunately, such a stigma about addiction and about alcoholism that sometimes other people reject folks with that disease instead of embracing them, or, or sometimes people understandably confuse uh, enabling the disease with loving people. Yeah. What do you think people can do to help folks that are in active addiction? Say that again, and I'm sorry. How can you? How can people help folks that are in active addiction? How can they love them, even when sometimes the disease makes it difficult to love them? Yeah, yeah. If you again, if you start with that premise that they say the only truth between you and the other person is love. I mean, you, I think it's Paul Farini that, that uh, talks about it in some of his books that uh, it's like a two-handed thing. You, on the one hand, you don't have to put up with their uh, disruptive behavior, but you have to also let them know at the same time that you love them. So it's always the two hands operating. So somebody's making a wreck of their life or somebody else's, 
you let them know you don't need to the if it's a mother or whoever it is you don't need to put up with that but you do need to continue to let them know that you love them and there's this thing called tough love but I don't know a lot about that how that works unless mm-hmm. uh, unless that's a two-handed thing too don't put up I with think them. it is yeah. yeah what don't put up with the disruptive behavior but yeah. still love them yeah yeah Joe it's time for us to go you have given us a lot today your life is a testimony to the power of love and the power of recovery and you have blessed so many people through just who you are through your ministry and through the love that you have created as your family so thank you so much for being with us today thank you for your honesty and thank you for your wisdom and thank you for being you and telling us all about how love opens the door Thank you for giving me the opportunity to do it. And you already know that I love you, don't you? I do. I love you too, friend. God bless. And all our listeners uh, know that you are loved, that there's the God of love that lives in you and that is shining through everybody around you. And so know that you're in my prayers and I see God's good uh, and the good of your higher power coming to you in all kinds of ways. Join us next week when my guest is Sandra M. And our topic is a woman's heart. And we'll be talking about the special courage and challenges and rich rewards of being a woman in recovery. God bless and we'll see you next week. Thank you for tuning in to Spirit of Recovery with Rev. Anna Schaus, Ph.D., and her guests. Join Anna and her guests live every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central, 2 p.m. Pacific for down-to-earth ideas on keeping spirituality in the heart of your recovery. Spirit of Recovery, only on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. This program is brought to you in part by Soul Matters Ministry in Olympia, Washington, committed to bringing light to the soul. Online at www.soulmatters-spiritworks.org. Wondering what's happening at Unity Village? Join Dean Ted Collins and guests each Monday at 2 p.m. Central Time as he hosts Village Events and Voices from Unity Village. Stay connected with Unity Village and get news on retreats, special events, newly published authors, and various ways you or your center can be part of the many exciting opportunities Unity Village has to offer. Tune in to catch live interviews of Unity speakers, authors, and newsmakers. It's Village Events and Voices with host Ted Collins, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Even if you're a seasoned spiritual student, even if you've been on a spiritual journey for a long time, how's your life working? Knowing spiritual principles isn't enough. We have to practice them every day. Join Rev. Ellen Debenport and co-host Laura Shepard on Absolute Living as they talk each week about putting principles into action in every decision we make. Inspiration only takes a moment. We invite you to consider these words from Unity author Charles Roth. Live deeply in the present moment. If you are going to work on the premise that real energy, real excitement, that feeling of being fully and enthusiastically alive comes from a source within you, then it follows that you have to spend some time getting acquainted, being at home in those far reaches of inner space. Peace is power. For out of stillness, strength is born, and out of inner harmony, productivity flourishes. Rest in that inner peace. This meditative moment is brought to you by Unity.
wondering what's happening at Unity Village? Join Dean Ted Collins and guests each Monday at 2 p.m. Central Time as he hosts Village Events and Voices from Unity Village. Stay connected with Unity Village and get news on retreats, special events, newly published authors, and various ways you or your center can be part of the many exciting opportunities Unity Village has to offer. Tune in to catch live interviews of Unity speakers, authors, and newsmakers. It's Village Events and Voices with host Ted Collins, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. I'm Suzanne Giesman, and if you've ever wondered about life after death or if it's possible to connect with a higher consciousness, I invite you to join me for my podcast, Messages of Hope. It's my mission to share with you that our loved ones who have passed are always with us, and we are so very loved. I want to teach you how to live a consciously connected and divinely guided life. Listen here on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network.